welcome to Exploring the Marketplace podcast. My co-host is Bob Hassan, and we are creating a conversation with Christian marketplace leaders who have careers that have been impacted by their faith. We are also answering your questions about entrepreneurship, business leadership, careers, and how the kingdom of God changes your impact in the marketplace. Come join the conversation now. Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace. I'm Bob Hassan with my co-host, Sean Bowles. Sean, how are you? I'm good, and I'm excited about our show today because I have a long-term friend who I've known since I was a teenager who's coming out named Pat Donaldson. You're going to love Pat. He's from Alaska. Uh-huh. He's the founder and owner of a family-owned and operated business based at Wasilla, Alaska, specializing in website development, management, hosting, and search engine optimization. And he also is a grandfather and father of 10. He's been married for almost 39 years. And in his lifetime, he's done a lot of church ministry up until he was in his 40s. And I've really wanted to talk to him about the transition because he not only transitioned, but transitioned in a very successful way mm-hmm. from ministry into uh, kind of mainstream marketplace with ministry on the side. And that was like an awkward, clunky transition like many of us have experienced before who've been in yeah. ministry. But I think it's great for people who've been in marketplace their whole life to hear. And it's great for people who've been in ministry their whole life to hear a story like this because it just it, it just captures something about how God's doing things that are different than we expect him to do. He's so different than us. And I love that about God. Yeah. You know, what's what's really interesting. We've been through, you know, the last year and a half or two years going on this, this major disruption. Yeah. And there's been transitions in so many people's lives. And Sean, you and I've talked to so many people about this and, you know, talking to Pat, his disruption and transition wasn't through the last two years, but I think it's going to speak to a lot of our listeners who have been through these transitions and disruption. Yeah. That that word disruption is a good one because so much is still happening. Like here we are in 2022 and you have the great course correction where the government's not bailing anyone out anymore. And so now we're losing employees right and left. I mean, Ford Motor Company just let 4,000 more people go. You know, Apple just let a bunch of people go. The stock market is still challenged. Like we're going through so much right now. There is a disruption. And yet there's so much hope because a lot of Christians, we realize, you know, God, yeah. God knew this was coming and he has our best interests in his heart. And he has things for us to do that will define us based on a sonship, not based on what the market can do for us or not do for yeah. us. So I, I'm really exci- excited about this kind of conversation because we're at a global event again. It's not the pandemic this time. It's actually all over the world, politicians and and countries and law. And we're trying to solve problems with, with these political leaders as opposed to with kingdom principles. And I think we're hitting a crash course for something that's both awful and awesome because mm-hmm. we can actually see something happen. So I'm really excited. Uh, and when I say really excited, I'm not happy excited. I'm like, wow, we, this is a make or break or, you know, ride or die type moment. And I know, Jesus always wins. The government's only increasing. That's that he started building from the time he was born. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I am too. I think, Sean, we've talked to people who have started businesses through the pandemic, whose businesses have grown. And and this is a time, it's ripe for the Lord to to penetrate the disruption and then he wins. At the end of the day, Jesus wins. His name is higher than anything that we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Vaccinations, politicians, okay. it's Jesus who wins. And we're going to see that. Well, we're going to see it even through the story today, I believe. So we have my friend Pat Donaldson coming up next. My new book is called Encounter, a spiritual perspective that will shape your faith for the coming move of God. 
And this book is gonna help you to understand the days we're living in right now and have an urgency to meet with Jesus the way that I did through some of these encounters that are gonna form your faith. So you can get this book and pre-order right now at bowlsministries.com and there's a lot of things you're gonna get alongside of it. So make sure to go to bowlsministries.com and pre-order Encounter, a spiritual perspective that will shape your faith for the coming move of God. Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace. I'm Bob Hassan with my co-host, Sean Bull. Sean, how are you? I'm so good. And you guys can see Pat Donaldson's on yeah. right now. Bob, I'm so excited to introduce you to Pat. Yep. Pat, how are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Bob. Yeah. You're in the wonderful world of Alaska right now. Is it cold? Yeah, it is. It's, uh, I'm not going to tell you how cold it is outside, but it's a spectacular morning sunrise coming up over the mountains. Oh. It's beautiful, but it's a little below zero this morning. Well, you've introduced me to the beauty of Alaska several times through our years. I remember one time with uh, Randy Clark Ministries, and we did an event with Jason Upton and myself and Randy and some others. And it was such an impactful event. I still remember it today, like some of the things that happened there. And you uh, you were hosting and doing a lot of ministry stuff. And one of the reasons why I wanted you on Exploring the Marketplace, besides I felt prompted from the Holy Spirit just to ask you, was that mm-hmm. I feel like you um, you represent a really good transition that many people are going through. That years ago when you were doing mm-hmm. full-time ministry, hosting in your region, meetings, events, gatherings, doing local church stuff, that you made a radical transition into business at the same time. Mm-hmm. Not only business. I mean, you still do ministry stuff here and there. But you made a big transition. And that was a really interesting one. So let's go back to that story if it's okay to start there. And let's yeah. talk about that because I know a lot of people are are still sometimes people feel like, wait, what God, you led me this way. Now you're leading me this way until they get into it. It's hard to see why. Yeah. Really interesting. It's an interesting intersection of our lives at that point. I think I met you the first time. I think you were 14 years old. <laughs> I, was, I was back in Kansas city at Lori and Pamela Stead's house with a team. Yeah. And you and your sister, I think it was came over. I was probably like 18. I, you know, you're, okay. you're giving me a couple of years. This is great. As uh, far well, as you, you guys came yeah. over and just prophesied over our team. It was amazing way back then. And then, uh, wow. did I know you'd come to Alaska and you did this conference with us with Randy and Jason. In fact, you get, gave me this key wow at that event and uh you told me you called me up on the platform and you gave me this key with a word about my city it's interesting at the time you gave me that word I really didn't have a grid for what that would even mean it was just like it was like wow I like the word but what does it mean Lord and at that time um I was doing full-time ministry as you said my wife and I got uh we met I was 19 when she robbed the cradle (laughs) <laughs> and uh, we got married. And uh, <clears throat> she's 30 days older than me, so I like to tease her. She was 20. Uh, uh, Pat, my my wife, uh, our birthdays are nine days apart. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll be celebrating 39 years together uh, this month, actually. Oh, so awesome. we've had a wild ride, but we got involved right away. I got saved. I got radically saved when I was 19. And six months later, my wife and I, I, I mean, I got radically saved, didn't know my wife, and I met her after four weeks of being born again. And six months later, we were married working in wow. churches wow. and uh, went through Bible school, did ministry all my life until about my early forties. I found myself in a place where it was like all of my ministry income dried up in various ways, just weird ways where mm. um, we were on mission support. Some of that dried up. We were traveling and speaking a lot all over Alaska and beyond. And, and those invitations just kind of dried up. And I found myself in a really, really weird place in my early forties, three mm. teenagers in my house. 
Wow. And I wasn't making any income. We had two years in a row with less than $16,000 income. Per wow. And I have no idea how we made it through those two years. And that just led me to a moment, like a, one of those catalytic moments in my life that I didn't really want, didn't ask for. <laughs> but I found myself there literally sitting at my kitchen table one day after two years of $16,000 a year income, crying out to the Lord saying, Lord, what can I do? Um, I'm in my early 40s. All I've ever known since I was 19 is ministry. Yeah. You know, ask me to do a conference, ask me to do a camp for 300 kids or take 100 kids to China on a missions trip. I mean, I could I could do any of that stuff. But but what do I do? I didn't have any electrical skills or construction skills or nunchuck skills or anything. <laughs> I just literally was sitting at my kitchen table all by myself one day, just weeping before the Lord. My family was gone. I was all by myself. And I was crying out to God, and I just heard him say this really interesting thing. He said, what's in your hand? Wow. I, I mean, I'm literally sitting at the table, and for an hour, I could not think of one thing that was in my hand, like except for ministry, preaching, teaching, training, equipping, all that stuff I'd done my whole life. I literally could not think of one thing that was in my hand. And I, I'm frustrated. I'm angry with God. I don't understand what he's saying to me. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, all of a sudden, this thought came to me, well, you know how to fish. Mm. And I thought, well, all these missions teams and camp teams and conference teams that come to Alaska, they all want to fish. So for 20 years, I'd taken all these groups of people fishing, had eight or 10 people strung out on the riverbank, you know, baiting hooks and tying rods and netting fish and cleaning fish for all these people. So I thought, fishing, are you kidding? And so long story short, I wound up starting my first fishing or my first business actually wasn't my very first. I had a couple of businesses earlier in my life, but since I was 19, it was my first business that I, I started <clears throat> and that launched us into this whole progression, wow. which led to the website, uh, SEO development business, um, which just led to this whole marketplace emphasis. And, and it, it led us through the last 16 years, the, the largest, like greatest paradigm shift I've ever experienced in my life. And I'm, I feel like I'm just now emerging on the other side with a little bit of clarity. So that's kind of the really short version of the story. Well, take us back into the moment, though, when you were like at that table, you know, you're saying what's in your hand, where you, did you feel, because obviously, when when something dries up somewhere, our, our tendency as human beings is to go, what did I do wrong? Right. Or is there something wrong with me? Or is there or is there something wrong? Like, why is this happening? Where and God's like trying to show you actually I have something else for you. Was mm -hmm. that when you transitioned, because you talk about the transition, like I went into fishing. Was that exciting? Like ministry was? Or was it like, oh, I don't know, like, mm -hmm. I don't know. No, there were heel marks in the sand the whole way. Um, wow. I I literally, I you know that scripture that says any man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is an unfit for the kingdom? Yeah. I, I literally would drive to the river every morning in the summertime. I'd leave my house at 345 in the morning to get to the river, hook up my boat, be in the water so people could show up on time. And mm. I literally would drive, 45-minute drive to the river every morning saying, God, you know, people are dying and going to hell. And here I am going fishing. Wow. I feel like I, I feel like a backslider. I feel I feel like I was wow. backsliding, you know, against the call of God in my life. Everything I knew from the Lord, all the prophetic words I'd ever given or been re uh, received, I should say. I just felt like I was I was just stepping completely outside of all of that and just doing something, you know, and it, it was really a hard struggle for a few years, actually. 
So what changed? Like what, what entered that scenario? Yeah. That yeah you know, the, the paradigm shift that I talk about is, you know, I grew up in a denominational environment, um, which was great. I had a great experience. It was good for us the whole way through. I have nothing negative to say about it, but it, it had a certain, uh, I guess, paradigm and teaching that kind of went along with it. And it was, and being on full, full-time staff, you know, all of my life or being on church staff all of my life or being in ministry all of my life, you kind of adopt this mindset. Like if you want to do the work of the Lord, you come to this place and you're involved in this thing. And this is the work of the Lord. And if you work outside in a business, you know, that's kind of secular. And what we do here is, is for God. And there's um, almost this unspoken thing that like, you know, business people really are only business people so they can supply for the work of the Lord. Yeah. And, and so there's this dichotomy in the, in the church that I grew up in that the two didn't meet. They, they weren't um, parallel tracks at all. They were, they were, you know, you guys are doing, that's God, that's mammon. You know, that's kind of how it was interpreted. And so wow. the, the paradigm shift that I had to walk through from where I was driving to the river, feeling like a backslider to realizing that God was actually moving me into a marketplace uh, ministry. It was, it was, for me, it was a real struggle. I mean, maybe I have a thick skull or something, but it took me a long time to figure out that the Lord was actually in it. It's it's so interesting because, you know, this sacred secular split that you're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, I has happens everywhere. And I think I think it's getting better in the church, but I felt for so long because I've been in business for 45 years and I felt for so long what you're talking about. And, mm-hmm. and so like I sit in the chair and my job is a tithe, but I'm not spiritual because I'm out in the marketplace. And that has, has really changed and you articulated it so well. And now I assume that you're understanding what the call of God is and that you're bringing people, you're, you're gathering people and the Lord now is using you in the marketplace to love, to pastor, to be a father, et cetera, et cetera. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's been a slow process, as I said, and it's only been the last few years, uh, probably the last five or six years, maybe four or five years that I've really begun to be able to be comfortable in my own skin in that regard. You know, instead of feeling like I was somehow living a lesser life because I wasn't doing full-time ministry like I once did. And, um, you know, it's, it's, um, um, it's just really an interesting way that the Lord does that. You know, it's, it's, if, if you look in the scripture, uh, you know, Acts chapter 19, I think it was where Paul had been preaching in the synagogues, you know, all of his ministry pretty much. And all of a sudden there's this shift and he leaves the synagogue and goes into the marketplace. And, um, and once he gets into the marketplace, all of a sudden, all of Asia hears the gospel. And there's mm-hmm. there's things like that in the scripture that were just always hidden to me. I never really yeah. noticed that. Yeah. And so as the Lord began to teach me and say, you know what? Uh, light, salt, yeast belongs in the lump, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and we can't huddle in these buildings and expect yeah. that we're going to impact the kingdom. We have to learn how to be as excited about Monday as we are about Sunday mm-hmm. and to... Yeah to really live out the missional lifestyle in the marketplace. And I still love to preach and teach and travel and train and equip. That's still my heart. Um, but now I'm, I'm, you know, just living it out in a totally different way. No, it's so amazing. I think of my spiritual mom in Hollywood, her name's Karen Cavell. 
I call her the mom of Hollywood for Christians. And at one point, I remember telling her I'm making the transition from just itinerary ministry and helping to influence Hollywood and being like, I would do script doctoring and stuff like that for people or help them to relate to the faith-based community or whatever. But it was all very Christian for the church, inside the church, helping people to be discipled. And I said, I really feel to go start making projects and producing. And, and I feel like I can't really reach where I want to reach uh, people if I don't start doing this. But the world I come from doesn't have a value for that. So the world I come from, they look at it and go, no, stay where you're at because you're right. don't go inside because that's when you get corrupt or that's when it's not as good or that's not when it's not as spiritual. And she wrote me back and said, you'll, um, she goes, I've been waiting for you to tell me this for over 10 years and you'll never have the impact that you're called to have here until you do that. But when you do do that, everything's mm -hmm. going to change for you. Wow. And it's going to change for us. We're waiting for you to take that role in that position. And it really made me think like how many people are waiting for somebody with spiritual and emotional maturity like you, who they can have a conversation with who is already a CEO or who's already, you know, working with the city, maybe in the city council or whatever. And they need Christians who actually can understand the whole city plan. They, could, they need Christians who are going to understand the value of what's happening outside of just the normal faith-based response. And I feel like we're moving into that more transformative mindset, but it's been, mm -hmm. it's been a, a slow, a slow burn towards it. You know, I feel like there's a lot of denominations that are super behind, but like Bob's saying, the, the conversation, the greater way, whether it's on Christian TV or radio or mm -hmm. conferences or events, you're hearing more and more of this transformative mindset. But I do think a lot of us have gone through that thing of like, am I doing something wrong? Cause I'm doing this, what you're calling me to. And I love that you brought that up because I feel like we have to learn how to accept the wins there, the, their kingdom as well, and and celebrate those wins, not just the wins when it's obvious, like to get saved or something, but the wins where it's like, I obeyed God and this happened in my company or this happened in my influence. And that's huge. And we, we haven't taught people in the church how to celebrate those moments or how to build off of those moments. And I love your story because it helps us to see that. And yeah. maybe a lot of people are listening can go, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm not there yet. I need that paradigm shift. Yeah. Yeah, there's really a lot in the scripture, too, about this. Like one of the passages I've been meditating on, teaching on, I have a group of people that I'm mentoring, and we've been spending some time in Luke 19 lately. It's a really interesting passage where it says Jesus is approaching Jerusalem, and his disciples all think this is when the kingdom's going to come. And so it, it, it says, the scripture interprets the scripture in that moment where it says, this is the reason why Jesus told this parable, because they thought the kingdom was going to come right away. So we told him the story to explain to them, hey, guys, it's not going to come right away. This is how it's going to work. And it, it's a parable about a nobleman who comes to receive a kingdom and he, he leaves some goods with some guys. He, he leaves money or talents with some people. And he makes this really interesting statement. He says, do business until I return. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, surely that can't be business. Right. That's got to be like preaching or teaching or whatever. I looked up the Greek word and sure enough, it's the word used for business, actually transaction in the marketplace. And he said, do business until I come. And then when he returns, the Lord himself in this parable, he rewards the people who took what he gave them and multiplied it. He rewards yeah. them with leadership over cities. I'm like, wait a minute. Is that, you know, in all my life, I've spiritualized that to say, wow, you know, that's when you spiritualize it, you don't take it at face value. I think you lose the, the real meaning. The Lord's literally going to going to give people leadership over cities who are faithful with doing business with what he gave them to do. It's a fascinating wow. Wow. story. So good. And, you know, when you read uh, Proverbs, there's some Proverbs that are pretty amazing, too. Um 
you know, Proverbs uh, 11, you know, talks about the favor that rests upon the righteous lifts the whole city. And it's like when we think about the influence that righteous people have in the marketplace, just just being honest, just being people that are have integrity, just yeah. interacting with them for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I talk about character, like just show up, just show, up. show your character, you know, show up early work, ask people if they need help, let your character go before you. It's just what you're saying. Uh, so you transitioned, you're the CEO of an SEO business and you, you have a, a bunch of other businesses, but now you're helping people in business. Help us to understand that. You know, it's really wild. I, I, I never in a million years wanted to be in business. Uh, I never, I never really cared about that part of the world. I wanted to preach and teach and do all of that. And in fact, one day uh, there was a prophet that came through Alaska that uh, a friend of mine said, you got to meet this guy. And I went and met him and he gave me this huge word about business. Like you're going to be in business. You're going to help. You know, and I, I drove away from that meeting. Going, that guy's not a prophet. Right. <laughs> well, right after that word, like immediately after that word is when this whole transition started. Wow. And everything started to dry up. And uh, so um, now, you know, as soon as, as soon as, um, I mean, there's so many miracle stories. I just wish we had more time. But um, right in the middle of those two years when we made $16,000 per year for two years in a row as a family of five with a house payment and kids wow. and teenagers, um, right in the middle of that, at my lowest, lowest, lowest point, the Lord said, I want you to build a house. And so that's a whole story, miracle story in and of itself. But as soon as that house was built, my fishing business had started by then. It was my first, you know, business into this segment of my life. Um, as soon as that business started and this house was built, one of the first things that started happening was people would come over and I was helping them start businesses. Wow. I mean, they, don't know how to, they don't know how to buy a domain name. They don't know how to name their business. They don't know how to get a business license. They don't know how to get a website going. And I'm like, what, what's going on? And, and one after another, after another, after another, we just started helping people start businesses wow. that started thriving in the community. And that was, you know, 15 years ago, you know. And so since then, we've, I don't know how many small businesses we've able to, been able to help, especially younger people. Um, there's a whole bunch of younger people. I say younger because I'm 50, almost 59 years old. But, you know, people in their their late 20s, early 30s, a lot of them were, you know, Bible school students or they went to Bethel School of Ministry or they went to YWAM or they went to some yeah. circuit riders or some, you know, thing. Yeah. And they come home and they get married and have three kids and now they feel like they're out of it. Yeah. And finding that God's connecting me with a lot of these younger people and we're, we're helping them start businesses. Mm-hmm. And it's like the Lord breathes on them, boom. And next thing you know, their whole life has changed. You know, one guy going from punching a clock for a company. Now he's just told me last night or uh, two nights ago that in two years of doing business, his business is going to make over $350,000 this year. Wow. Another guy that uh, was just a part-time guy doing this craft, this aircraft related thing, uh, uh, actually making upholstery for airplane seats and helped him, you know, ramp up his business with his website and SEO. He, he jumped in the number one spot in the world for his niche. Wow. And now he's doing over 70 K a month doing, uh, <laughs> seat upholstery. So I just watched him breathe on these little small businesses yeah. 
And I just kind of have this motto that when small business succeeds, we all succeed and exactly. all ships benefit. All ships benefit from a rising tide. And when the righteous are thriving, the city rejoices. That's what the scripture says. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's kind of just how I'm living out the missional part of my life right now. I still have an ache to do more in you know some of the preaching teaching realm and i do a fair amount of that but um that's really where my heart stays but it's just funny to see where the grace is you follow the favor is what they say yeah i think it's interesting that businesses led you to get your pilot license and you did these epic tours where you you didn't just do fishing tours where you started doing high-end fishing tours and crazy crazy tours and then you and then you leave some of that behind to some degree and you start this as well which is so profound that you're helping businesses in this way and i think um, I think of like spiritual fathers, a lot of times we regulate them to, are you an apostle of 75 churches? But you right. look at like people <laughs> who need help to actually impact their community, to create resources, to create and steward purpose and authority. And you're fathering all these people who would have never had. And that's, it's a huge void. It's like, I, when I had to ask people like, how do I do this? How do I do this? It was so hard to find help that was worthy because oh. most of the help was so expensive and offered very little as over promise under deliver. And so like to have someone, you know, who, you know, we've had Bob at times too, who's like helped us and spoken to our, our process and many other people's process. I know that I do that for people. We're rare in this time because most people won't give their social capital away or their time mm-hmm. away to just help with the basics. So I just think it's so profound. I think yeah. you're such a profound example of a transition that God's having a lot of people make where he's taking their equity and maturity of what they built in the church and transferring it like a Joseph into mm-hmm. a greater kingdom effort or impact than they would have had if they stayed involved in the church. And I think the next move of God in my mind, and I know I'm kind of prophesying or going off the rails on this conversation, but the next move of God in my mind looks more like Joseph and Esther and Daniel and Solomon more than it looks like traditional disciples who were just trying to impact the Jewish people in the very, very, very beginning of the church. Yeah, which only lasted for a couple of weeks anyways, before Peter has the vision of the unclean foods come down. So I love this because <laughs> we're called to go out. We're called to go out into all yeah. the world and all the world is not being reached right now. So I love what you're doing. Yeah. I just want to read this one passage uh, in light of what you just said, Sean, it's just fascinating to really look at what the scripture says, but Proverbs 11, 11, it says the blessing, this is in the passion translation. It says the blessing of favor Resting upon the righteous influences a city to lift it higher. Wow. When you think about that, yeah. the, uh, the, the blessing of favor that rests on the righteous lifts an entire city. And so huge. you look at our cities right now, cities in America, especially, you know, we have a lot of cities that are just really hurting. And another passage in Proverbs somewhere else is when the wicked rule, the people groan. Mm-hmm. And so the church has drawn back so much in the last, you know, 50, 60, 70 years that we've relegated all of the influence of our cities over to people that don't have any biblical paradigm. Yeah. They don't have any kingdom foundation. And so uh, especially like in the political realm, the business realm, the marketplace realm, God is just launching people. Like we've had a we've had a whole series of people here in our local area that have been elected into school board seats and That's mayoral awesome. seats and in mm-hmm. government seats. And the assistant uh, district attorney for Alaska was in my living room last Friday night sharing a testimony, crazy testimony about how God is just pushing her into these places that are amazing. It all came from a prophetic word 20 years ago. And it's just like God, it's like God's launching these things. And um, another passage 
uh, in that same verse says, um, it says, the blessing that rests on the righteous releases strength and favor to the entire city. Hmm. So if you want to see strength and favor released to our cities, the righteous have to get out the four walls and mm, live, yeah. live life in the marketplace and shine the light, be the salt, be the yeast that Jesus talked about. Well, that key makes a lot more sense now that I gave you back when I was 19 years old or 21 or <laughs> yeah. I sitting next to me right now. Sean. I had no idea I would be sitting here talking to you like this back then. It would have been a, it would have been like uh, speaking opposite languages that I don't understand. Me too. Vice versa. I had no idea that this was the trajectory of where we're going as well. Yep. It's been so interesting. Um, Sean and I wrote a book called Wired to Hear, and it talks about the marketplace and the different ways that we hear. And Sean has been on this trajectory. It's been so beautiful. He's always had this instinct and intuition for business. And, and so here we are, um, talking to people in the marketplace and Pat, I can't thank you enough for being here. And we just, uh, we just love your story and appreciate everything that you shared with us. And thanks so much. And up next, we have questions with Sean and Bob. Everything we're doing with our podcast is made possible by our incredible partners and financial contributors to our ministry. They are helping us to bring the equipment to upgrade everything we're doing to have the time and space to do this. It's a free offering we give to you. Maybe you're listening in your shower. Maybe you're listening in your car, your workout. Well, I want to continue to do this. I'm going to continue to have these incredible guests tell their prophetic process of how God's spoken to them so you can get a vision of how God speaks to you and also so that other people all around the world can have this resource at their fingertips from their smart device, their computer, their YouTube, whatever they have, that they will have this this incredible resource. So go on the partnership journey with us. As a partner, you're going to receive an email and communication every month from us. We resource you with a partnership page that has literally dozens and dozens of messages that only of our partners have. We also have partnership contribution back to you where we actually give resources. You guys get stuff first. Usually at Christmas time, we have a new book come out. You guys get it before everybody else and you get it signed. I love our partnership program. I love being on a journey with our partners because they are some of our, they're a team, they're our family. They're the ones who are contributing to make this happen. Come be a partner today. Go to bullsministries.com under giving and membership and you will become a partner. with questions with Sean and Bob and we are answering your questions that you guys have asked through our lives or our Facebook or our bowlsministries.com you could leave a question for us in a recording or a text if you just go to bowlsministries.com and click on that link right on the front page but here we go Bob this is a good question for you because you've been a business owner for a long time I've had to do this as well but it's what's a healthy way to bring correction to employees when they're not doing what is required of them or they're breaking the rules. And this is one that as a Christian, we're always thinking like, how do we do this? And it's yeah. not much different than how HR would tell you to do it, but there's a different heart behind it. Yeah. And so when I hear this question, Sean, the first thing I think about is, do you have job descriptions for your employees? Mm-hmm. Um, because job descriptions give employees a lane to understand what their job is. and yeah. And, and so I'm going to assume, let's say in this question that they have job descriptions. So what's a healthy way to discipline in my business? Um, I had uh, weekly one-to-ones with my direct reports. And so this is a 20 minute meeting. 
that we're talking about how, how things are going, what's the process, and how can I help? So when you're having regular one-to-one meetings and something isn't happening, it's, it's an easier way to correct or discipline yeah. because you're in the moment with, with employees. If you're not doing that and you have employees who are, let's say, going rogue, which is what I hear from this question, <laughs> not uh, breaking the rules or, or not, not doing their jobs, it's, it's a little bit harder. But the, the, what I think is communication. And so whether you, you, these employees are your direct report is having them come and sitting in front and asking questions like, hey, how can I help you? Because I've noticed that your production's down or help me understand why you're breaking these rules, because this isn't what our company policy is. Here's our company policy and you're a valued employee. And I would love for you to continue, but you have to recognize that these are what the lanes are. Yeah. And, and having conversations like that um, begins, to, begins the process if you have to actually document something and write them down and give them a formal warning. You know, that's yeah. the next step. But it's a process. When you look at it, too, uh, so many of us as Christians, we, we conflict avoid. And so doing pre-conflict, which is just conversation, mm-hmm. it's so important and having a regular routine of it. Because I've, I know I've, uh, I've conflict avoided before and, and for too long until there's a breakdown. And so there's breaking rules, there's employee that needs correction. And yeah. it really comes from my management that could have changed a long time ago. And I could have talked to them about when they were coming in late and they weren't paying attention. And, they, you know, we try to do set mm-hmm. policies in place to correct behavior and character issues, which doesn't always happen. And sometimes it has to be that relational connection of saying, hey, I need to talk to you. I'm not saying yeah. a policy for the whole company. I need to talk to you. There's something going on here. What's going on? Yeah. And I love what you're saying, Bob, because when you're in regular communication, that happens. And so, like, I know our manager for our organization, Jeremy, Mm-hmm. Uh, he has those conversations with people. So if there's performance that's lacking, I haven't had to, because I have a good manager, I, I haven't had to talk to any of our employees about any negative, negative things for so long because he's on it every week. Right. But if somebody's having a breakdown in life, or maybe you find out that someone died near, to, near close right. to them, or maybe you find out there's a life breakdown of some, some type um, and you were unaware of it. And then you find out and you bring some balance measure because of that. Yeah. That's yeah. One thing. But what you're talking yeah. about is probably, not no job descriptions, not regular talks, a conflict avoiding a little bit. And so, so as a boss, don't hold them responsible for something you're actually not managing well, actually mm-hmm. get some management classes or get some business development classes or whatever that you need to actually become a really good employer and learn HR, even going through an HR process that when Sheree and I went through that, and we've read tons of documents and how you should be treating employees and the whole thing that that your state puts in front of you, it causes you to make different choices because you realize how you're going to be held accountable as an employer if you don't go through the right process, even with HR, which helps train you for how you should treat your employees when it comes to them failing and how to deal with that failure, even in the midst of your company. Because I don't think a lot of us have it intuitively built into us. And I know people who have, you know, even if they have a business degree, who've told me they never learned that part of it. So I think it's important to know that you're in the same boat as many people. And let's learn from our mistakes. That's so good. You know, I have a book that I love. It's called Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott. And it's, it, it's an amazing book on how to manage, talk to uh, employees. So thank you so much for the question. And Sean, we'll see everybody next time. Yeah, come join us again. And make sure if you're watching this on YouTube to hit notifications and subscribe to us. If you're watching on CBN News, we want to welcome you. We're so glad. We're going to be with you and that you're part of our audience. And we do a lot of interaction online. So please follow us on Facebook and follow us on YouTube. 
Thanks for listening to the Exploring the Marketplace podcast, part of the Exploring Podcast series. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing or even rating and reviewing so that more people can connect to us. Also, we'd love to be part of your spiritual journey, and we have amazing resources at our website, www.bowlsministries.com, B-O-L-Z ministries.com, including other free media, TV shows, books, and even an ongoing mentoring online platform. See you there.